shakalaka. Oh, it's a party up in here now. It's win, lose, or draw. Welcome to the third episode of the Win, Lose, or Draw, a sports education podcast. We are your hosts, Mr. Edwards and Mr. Leeson. The purpose of this Win, Lose, or Draw podcast is to stimulate conversation around sport, health, and fitness, topical events, and explore the life messages that you as students can get out of sport. Because at the end of the day, regardless of whether you win, lose, or draw, there is always something to take out of the sport. Guess what, Mr. Leeson? We're back for a third episode. Not third <laughs> episode. Who would have thought, Mr. Edwards? Not just two, but we've got three now. What they, have we got on today's show? They do say that uh, things come in three. Good things. Good threes. things come in three. Today's episode, Mr. Edwards, we are talking about the importance of umpires. And the reason we've chosen to talk about this is due to some things that we've seen in my physical education classes and at recess and lunch um, with our students. We also have our special guest today, who is our resident umpire, Chris. Nice. And we have our sport quiz that I know everyone looks forward to, Mr. Edwards. Has it got a sponsor, Mr. Leeson? We have a sponsor. Oh, big news. Big news. That's even bigger than the podcast, I reckon. It could be. (laughs) So uh, we'll announce the sponsor when we get to the sport quiz later on in the show. Lots of feedback about the quiz. Some people telling us that they're doing it on the fly. People saying, I got eight this week, didn't get this question, didn't get that question. That's great. And we'd love to hear how you've gone about the quiz at home. Send in your feedback to win, lose, or draw podcast at gmail.com. And on that, we've had a couple of emails in from last week about our topic, which was which was determination and never giving up. Mr. Leeson, who do we have? Yes, we had an email from James. I believe a great example of an athlete who has shown great determination is Jonathan Thurston, leading Queensland Cowboys uh, through injury, and he led them to an NRL premiership. Um, He also wanted to make special mention to James Patterson um, for his return um, to cricket um, from multiple stress fractures. So thank you, James, for sending that through. That's fantastic. The other little bit of feedback we got during the week, which I'm pretty excited about, because I put I put out a bit of a message last week after our episode to one of the players we talked about, Mr. Leeson. Do, do, you, know, do you know who I'm talking no about? No way. Did yeah. Derek Rose message you back, Mr. Edwards? No. <laughs> Derek uh, Rose did not message me back. Uh, I'm sure he gets plenty of messages. but Did Derek Rose block you, Mr. Edwards? No. <laughs> Clint Steindl actually took the time to get back to us, Mr. Leeson. Oh, pre-season um, Clint. Pre-season Clint. Regular season Clint. The best part about this is since we've recorded that podcast, he's, he's continued his form, Hasn't kept he? working along. So basically what I asked him was um, how he got through those little that struggle at the start trying to get through his rhythm and he came back and said there's a lot of determination was governed by what I was trying to achieve or who I was trying to please I never want to let my teammates down and last year that was the hardest thing for me to come to terms to purely because I wasn't performing to my expectations during the off season I broke everything right back to baby steps of proving to myself no one else purely to myself that I wanted to get back to performing the way I knew I could and that was my determination Prove myself to me. As I regained confidence, I could work toward proving to everyone else my worth and value. As a basketball player, 
Obviously not an easy road, but I was determined to keep proving to myself and now proving to Australian basketball that I'm still here and still a legit weapon on the floor. Um, he'd work really hard to regain his training in training his shooting form, and there would be days where he was completely useless, but I determined to not go out this way and I wanted to continue working. Um, so, And at this point right now, he feels like he's those that hard work has sort of paid off which is great. And I really thank Clint for taking the time to get back to us and spread that message of determination. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. And um, obviously, thank you very much to Clint um, getting back to us. And uh, we wish him, obviously, all the best for the rest of the season. Go Wildcats. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I guess, talking about uh, our topic today and umpiring, there's been a couple of sort of incidents close to home in terms of your phys ed classes and a couple around the world that we want to talk about. Um, did you want to start with your phys ed classroom still? Yeah, so Mr. Edwards, at the moment in our U6 program, we're currently doing uh, CPEP Touch Rugby, which is basically where the students run a tournament and they all have their roles um, throughout that tournament. And obviously, kids are umpiring their own games. Now, oh, wow. what I've noticed is when the kids umpire, there's a lot of bickering going on, a lot of back and forth chat yep. between players and the umpires. Surely and that's not fun, though. Oh, absolutely not, no. And it's at the detriment of the game because the boys are actually minimising their playing time. Yep. Which, if I'm a young boy, all I want to do is get out there and play. Yeah. But at the moment, um, I'm noticing a lot of bickering going on and a lot of disrespect towards the umpires, yet, so when I step in and when I umpire and show the boys how to umpire and, and go through the rules, no one questions me. So my question is, why do when kids umpire kids, there are problems, yet... When an adult steps in, no one questions an adult. Yeah, and I think that's probably maybe just the way that maybe society looks at umpires that or looks at people. The, the, obviously, they they respect you to be able to make a decision and they respect certain adults to make a decision. Yes. But as you grow older and your age gets a little bit older, you become closer in age to those umpires and you think you probably know a little bit more than what you probably do yes not saying all the time but then you've got those stronger opinions so that's when that comes in and those arguments and that bickering sort of comes into it which the message would be i mean at the end of the day i would just want the boys to respect the umpire's decision sure enough they may get it right they may get it wrong we all we all make mistakes as players we make mistakes so of course umpires are naturally going to make mistakes as well but if at the end of the day, the umpiring decision is final. Move on and um, make sure we can get the game flowing a bit better in order to maximise participation and game time. And I guess at the level they're playing at, no, the umpire's not going to change their decision. They're trying to do the best. Yes. I know when I umpire, it's not like I'm going out there to make another team go uh, win or make us win. It's just about being out there having fun and trying to be safe as well out in the... Nor are we playing for a Premiership Cup in CPEP Touch Rugby, Mr. Evans. No, they're not. No. Could be. Could be playing for the Christian Leeson Cup. <laughs> or Sheep Stations. Yep. Out on the farm. <laughs> um, why did? Why are we talking about this topic in terms of worldwide, though? Yeah, so worldwide. So we like to obviously uh, touch on a few topical events that we've seen throughout 2018. And there is a couple um, that spring to mind straight away. Both actually occurring um, in the U.S. Open um, Championship tennis, yes. We know you love your tennis. I do love my tennis, Mr. Edwards, big tennis fan. And um, the people that I'm about to speak about, I'm also big fans of them. Is Um, there any truth to the rumour that at 
a certain school you've got a, a <laughs> tennis uh, tennis court named after yourself or is that just you telling everybody that court number one's named to the Christian Leeson court? Uh, well, when you're a PE teacher, Mr. Edwards, you know, you literally can walk around and claim anything and, you know, you've won a few matches on this tennis court, hit a few sixes on that over and kicked a few goals on another. So, uh, I didn't know you played cricket. Yeah, I've never actually played a game <laughs> in my life, but the boys don't know that. But uh, to get back to point, Mr. Edwards, so in the US Open, there were um, two incidents that occurred. The first one being with Nick Kyrgios um, in the earlier rounds of the tournament. He basically, he lost the first set, and then he pretty much tanked the first three games of the second set. He was sitting down in the changer ends, and the umpire actually got out of his chair, which now, the umpire never gets out of his chair unless he... um, Either one, the chair falls over, yeah. is pretty much the only time I see an umpire get out of a chair, especially at, at a hard, uh, hard courts where you don't need to check lines, etc., like on the clay courts. So he got out of his chair and he went to check on Nick Kyrgios and he basically said that he wanted to help Nick. He said, I want to help you. Yeah. I want to help you. He said that twice. What, in regards to what, an injury or? In regards to basically, Nick, what are you doing? You need to pick up your act and you actually need to fight out here and try. Yeah. The umpire just wanted to make sure and kind of check on Nick and give him a bit of reassurance that I'm here for you and you need to get out, start there and start playing better. Mm. And which, so then what kind of transpired, eventually it all came out, what was said, and that umpire actually got fined and he was sanctioned. Whoa, Mm. for trying to help. (laughs) For trying to help. I mean, I'm not too sure how you said Mr. Edwards, but, you know, if an umpire... Is getting out of his chair to go help one player. Should he be getting out of his chair to go help the other player? And there is, there's two people on a tennis court. Yeah, but it's not like it. I, do, I feel as maybe not as knowledgeable tennis uh, person as yourself. I feel like there was, isn't that what the umpire's there for? To officiate over the game and make sure both people are okay in terms of what they're doing? Because he would have seen the opposition player going, yeah, but he's fine. He would have made that decision. He would, If he wanted to, he would have gone over to both. But there's that decision to go over to someone else. You don't see... I'm thinking more AFL umpires now or um, if someone injures themselves, like a physical injury, and they go down, the umpire does go up to them, calls over medical. They don't go and check every 18 or 22 different players out there and go hey, are you guys okay? Because your immediate concern is what's in front of you. That's just my, yeah, like my it's a, thoughts. It's a it. good point. So that was the first uh, incident that happened in the US Open. The second incident actually happened in the women's uh, grand final, which was against Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka uh, from Japan, who um, went on to win the tournament. So what happened here was Serena got accused of coaching mm. by the chair umpire in Carlos Ramos. So are you allowed coaches as No, so you're not allowed you're not allowed to get done you're not allowed to be coached on a tennis court. So during the game while the game During the game, yes. And it was alleged that the uh, her coach called out and um, therefore received coaching, which Carlos Ramos um, gave a a code violation to. What does a tennis coach do? Like I know obviously the time uh, training and things like that, they'll talk about make sure you work towards this side of their body. Or, But during a game, what could they possibly... Yeah, more often than not, during a game, be more support. Yep. You know? Yep. Keep it going, Serena. Yep. Head up. Next one. Yeah. Um, however... But the crowd could, crowd could say that as well. Oh, the, absolutely. The crowd could say that as well. Yeah. I mean, any crowd person could also say, take your racket back, 
make sure you watch the ball, throw yep. the ball higher on your serve. Yep. Uh, maybe higher percentage of shots yep. on returns. I mean, anyone could say it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, yes, it was a very subjective call. However, it got called. Serena then blew up over getting done for coaching. Yeah. Um, and she was pretty adamant that she didn't receive coaching. She then um, later within that game smashed a racket, received yep. another code violation, and then she um, said a few explosives and accused yep. the umpire of being a thief. Oh, wow. Uh, which then resulted in a game violation. Yeah, so a game violation means that well, the game's... Uh, she lost a game because it was a third yep. violation. It goes, yeah. So you get a warning, then it goes a point, and then it's now it's gone to a game. Wow, okay. So lost before even mid-game, they go, right, that's a game violation, you lose that game. Yes. Okay, yeah. So then that'll happen, and then obviously everyone starts to jump in on social media, yep. and then it blows up into a bigger-than-Ben-Hur saga. Mm. And, and everyone, I mean, everyone around the world has had their comments on this, I mean, I'm not particularly going to take a side. I, I can see Serena's point of view and the fact that uh, she didn't receive coaching. Yep. I'm also can see the side of the umpire. He's making a decision on court, and that is his decision, and he thought it was coaching. I mean, he's yeah. a very experienced umpire, and he's he's doing a grand final, so you get selected to do the grand final. The best at the top there. The best yeah. of the best. and I guess looking at that, the only thing I could think of was if she... Had, if she was accused of coaching and not said anything, what would have her punishment been? Just that one code violation? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. And that wouldn't have resulted in anything? No. So if she had just accepted the fact she did get done for coaching, it would just be a warning? Even if she didn't. And I think that's a big point. Like Even if you think, 100% think you're wrong, you're not at the time, it's not going to accomplish anything. No. There's never been on so many footy fields where you think... You're arguing with an umpire about, oh no, I did, I did handball it when you threw it, or you, you didn't. They just what they see, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to our resident umpire about this, about the decisions and what makes it hard and what's what's not. But they're not going to change their mind. No. The only time you change their mind now is if it's um, televised and there's all these million dollar cameras and things like that, and that's the only time they change it. I'm sure out there in the world now there's. Um, there for us at school that's not going to happen either you're yeah. not going to have all that technology around no exactly and i think we just want to highlight the fact that the umpires are out there to do a job they're trying to do the job as best as possible yet especially in this tennis environment they receive a lot of negative feedback and there's a yep. lot of stigma around umpires with how can we create a positive stigma around umpires and i know mr edwards um you want to talk about uh, rugby and the fact that how they have such a good relationship between players and umpires. So how yeah. do rugby create that positive environment where players and umpires have a mutual understanding and a mutual respect for one another? And it seems to work really well. I'm amazed at the, the standard of respect that players pay rugby officials. It's just watching rugby games, you watch it on the TV, you watch it locally, it's all the same. There's never really any questioning of the umpire. And if there is a question, it's a it's a really calm, sir, I think this has happened, and then they'll answer it. Always, sir, always thank you. Yes, sir, no, sir. Um, watch this. You're doing this, number 11. Yes, sir, we'll watch that. Captains, talk to your players about this. All that respect is all there. And to be honest with you, I think that's always been the case because that's what's expected. You are expected to treat the umpires the right way. 
And if that expectation's there, someone steps out of line, they're quick and they're quickly brought back into line, then I think that that's why it's such a good culture around their officials. You never really hear any bad decisions or you hear never hear any negative connotations around umpiring to do with rugby. I can't think of one. No, neither can I miss that. Was, I mean, and where you think about other sports, you can think about, oh, there is that decision in the grand final that, oh, that should have been a, a blocking or it should have been a mark or what about this and what about that. There's all those decisions around... Or in basketball, why didn't this get called? Yeah, why didn't this get called? Why is that not a foul? Why is this? All those interpretations make it hard, but rugby seem to do it really well. And it's something I think all sports can can take from yeah, rugby. Yeah, absolutely. And they should try and emulate the the rugby culture around respecting umpires. Yeah, um, and I think from a recess and lunchtime perspective here at school, we know there are games going on all the time. There's games going on at the Oval, there's some games going on in the courtyard or on the playground, and there's not umpires, and this is when we see problems occur, the mm. fact that there isn't umpires. So trying to get the boys and girls to realise the fact that when you don't have umpires, and it doesn't flow, and more problems occur, however, when you do have umpires... The games work much better, it's more enjoyable, and the game just gets on with it. And it's fun. You, yeah. And that's what we play sport for. We play sport for fun. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoyment. Uh, enjoyment, yeah. Now we get into our next segment of bringing in our special guest for this week. Mr. Leeson, who have we got? This week we have an AFL umpire. When we discussed this week's topic, Mr. Edwards, around umpiring, we thought, who better to bring in than our very own AFL umpire at our school, uh, Chris, uh, Chris has been umpiring in the community and at our school as well. He's also done waffle level, I believe. Cream of the crop. So, um, Chris, how did you get into AFL umpiring? Firstly, welcome, Chris. Firstly, thank you for having me on the on the show. <laughs> Sorry, um, Mr. Leeson. Got into umpiring, so I was in year eleven at school, and I'd finished playing football the year before. Um, and one of our phys ed teachers at school um, put out a, a flyer to all your 11 and 12 students about getting into community umpiring, starting at either boundary or goal umpiring, and um, gave it a shot and got a game straight up uh, that weekend and went down to my local community field um, and umpired a game. And it was, um, at the time, it was a good way to earn money um, and be involved in football in some capacity. What um, ages were you umpiring? Were they older, younger? Yeah, it was amateur level football. So being in year 11, um, being 15, 16, and then umpiring amateur football, on as a field umpire probably would have been pretty um, intimidating, but at, yeah. on a boundary level or a goal umpire level, it's it's a really good way to get involved in football. So you started what, boundary umpiring? Yep. And then moved your way up or did started you... started boundary umpiring and umpired waffle level as a boundary umpire and then um did a bit of community uh did a bit of community field umpiring uh, at the time when i was doing waffle umpiring and then got into field umpiring here um here at the school so earlier on in the episode we talked about the sort of the positives and the negatives of umpiring in the different sports what did you find the hardest part about being an umpire Probably the interpretation of rules. It's quite difficult. And having to get yourself into the right position to see and make a decision. Sometimes you're obstructed by players. Sometimes um, 
you might be not in the right position to make a decision. And instead of guessing, you let it go. And players and fans can get quite um, upset about that and yep. think that you're doing a, a poor job. Yeah. Do you ever get worried that you are going to make a bad call? and Or if you think, gee, maybe I should have called that the other way, do you ever linger on that call? Or are you very quick just to move on and get on to the next call? It becomes pretty instinct. And you pretty much just sort of seem to call what you see. There are times in a game when you know that there's... And there have been times when the scores are really close. And you know that there's not long left because you can see the clock. And then you do start to second-guess yourself and start to get quite nervous in the decisions you make. So sort of a little bit like the last couple of episodes, that shooter's mentality, Mr. Leeson. We've got the umpire's mentality. You've got to make that decision. Yeah. Are you ever swayed by the crowd, coaches, players? Does that ever come into consideration? No. Because you are human, so there is a... Yeah, yeah, no. You don't seem to notice the crowd as much as when you're in the in on sort of the field. Possibly because you're in the zone. Yeah, you are. You sort of do. In one of my first games, um, I umpired... Peter Bell and Jeff Farmer coming back from injury down at South Fremantle. And wow. there was a crowd of about 10,000 people watching Ooh. their comeback game for South Fremantle before they entered back into the Dockers team. And rocking up to the game that day and having no parking at all was a bit sort of, oh, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> but yeah. getting into the game, you sort of forget everything, all of that, and you sort of do get into a bit of a zone um, and just call what you sort of see. Oh, great. Do you think, I mean, you've seen obviously all age levels and... Uh, you've umpired at um, different levels throughout AFL. Do you think there's a stigma around umpires, or is there, you know, that society puts them less than the players and the players above umpires, or do you see that the umpires um, are as equal as the players? I, I do think that there sometimes is a stigma, but I think that stigma comes from the crowd, and what the crowd really need to understand is that as an umpire, you're 10, 15 metres away from making a decision, and the people in the crowd are 200, 300 metres away, and even though they, and as a crowd, you do get the benefit of a replay, but at first mm. sight, you're in the right position, you've got to tr- back yourself in and make that call, because you are... And that's one of the greatest things about umpiring. You have the best seat in the in the house. That's a very know. good point. Very good point. Is there something you could say to people, the listeners out there, to, I guess, help umpires in general to be able to grow and be able to, well, maybe not grow, but just sort of repopulate the umpiring um, seg- sector? Because obviously we don't want to lose umpires from our... Uh, from our games but if there's always negative uh, sort of connotations towards umpires and questioning and things like that is there something some sort of tip you could give to the the listeners out there on how we can how they can behave and how they can help umpires I think the best thing to do is get involved in umpiring umpiring is such a great way to be involved with the sport get down there umpire your local level football netball soccer you know, help out in any way because you do, there's so many great benefits. Yet the pay is really enticing for students to be involved in. If you're umpiring, you know, nine and 10 year old kick level, you know, you're getting paid for that. And then you can play your football or your soccer or whatever sport you play, you can play that in on the other day. So we know that, you know, age levels now split up over really a Saturday and Sunday. A great way to pick up umpiring is on the day that you're not playing umpire a bit of um, whatever sport it is it's great for your fitness um, and realistically you do get to see some of the best young talent 
coming up and you do get yourself into the best position instead of sitting in the seat. Now, Chris, I know that you do play AFL 9s uh, throughout the week. Being an umpire, do you then, are you more lenient, sorry, towards the umpires that umpire your AFL 9s game? Has it given you a different perspective and point of view? Surely you don't go out there and give you, give you two cents worth. I sometimes struggle from a bit of white line fever, um, as all as all people do. I sometimes get into a zone, and sometimes you do tend not abuse, but sometimes you do ask the umpire. You sure you know you might, and I think a healthy bit of banter between umpires and players is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I know earlier you were talking a bit about like Ray Chamberlain, Razor Ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think in rugby how they talk to the umpire or the referee in a very traditional and respectful way is great because it shows great respect for the officials but also you do miss those characters you know like you were talking about earlier the raise a raise the and how the players can sometimes interact with those umpires as well you do miss that a bit in rugby yeah and that's why we think the, the rugby culture is very much uh, sort of top shelf in the way they treat their umpires now moving on to our i think this has got to be the 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 most anticipated section of our Probably podcast. our favourite part our of the favorite. show. And at the start, we mentioned something about a sponsor. I heard this particular sponsor has quite a bit of feedback for us every now and again. <laughs> uh, quite critical. No, good. We like feedback. Um, and who is the sponsor for today, Mr. Leeson? We do have a sponsor. A sponsor has is it jumped on board. <laughs> it is not Zoopadoopers. Uh, and uh, Gillette is also not returning my calls either. Oh. Um, it is Taraco Farms. Oh wow, Taraco Farms, and what mm, are they? Just getting around the boarding community. Yep, excellent. Um, what, are they, what are they farm? So Taraco Farms um, is a farm in Gamaling. Oh, Guma, small country town, home of the possums. Home of the possums. Well done, Mr. Edwards. Well picked up there. Um, so they have jumped on board the sponsorship. Excellent. Which is good. Um, he said he can put up a few sheep. Excellent. Or a bit of grain. <laughs> excellent. Has prizes. <laughs> But uh, in all seriousness, no, maybe a bit of money would be nice. Yeah, that'd be Rocco nice. Farms, thank you. Keep your feedback coming. We always like to hear <laughs> yes. it. Um, right, getting into the quiz. Uh, Chris, what we do is we've got two buzzers for the quiz. We've got the correct buzzer, which sounds like, and the one that you get wrong. What we do, we'll, we'll fire the questions at you. If you hear that, that means it's correct, and we won't come back to that question um, at the end. But if, the, uh, if you hear the other sound, we will review those questions at the end so we'll try and get through as quickly as you can um, we also have a timer going so to try and work out where the ladder will be at the end of the hour i wouldn't say season but the end of a certain amount of time <laughs> we haven't worked that part out yet but um maybe when we get the axe yep. <laughs> when we get told no more um so at the moment we have jarvis who's on seven and we have uh tom who's on seven um, but Tom had a better time than what Jarvis was. So at the moment, Tom's sitting up top. What I do is I record only the time that you speak, not Mr. Leeson's times, because sometimes his questions can be a little bit long-winded. Um, and we like to get to the point with with most of our quiz questions. Especially sometimes on, on not the show story. as well, Mr. That, was, that, <laughs> was that a bit of the, the feedback? <laughs> it was a little bit of the feedback. <laughs> All right. So... Over to you, Mr. Leeson. Time to close. I do have the clock, clock ready. ready. To go. Clock is ready. Chris, ready to go? Yep. Here we go. Question one. How often are the Olympic Games held? Every four years. Question two. In what context might one see a matador? In bullfighting. 
Question three. Who won the Tour de France this year? Geraint Thomas. Question four. What is the eight ball worth in snooker? Now, this is a bit of a trick question because it's actually worth seven. <laughs> You've done very well there. Question five. What NBA team does Jimmy Butler currently play for? The Philadelphia 76ers. Just got recently traded there, I believe. Great knowledge. Question six. Which two professional golfers are playing one-on-one -on -one this weekend for a million dollars? Mark Leishman and Tiger Woods. Question seven. Who is the current Australian Test Cricket Captain? Uh, Tim Payne. Question eight. What is one of the new proposed AFL rule changes for 2019? You can just list one. Um, stricter interpretation on holding the ball. Question nine. How many players for one team in water polo? Six. Question 10. What is a netball court broken into? Thirds. Stop the clock, Mr. Edwards. Stopped. Rightio, let's just review a couple of the questions. You start off with a bang, Chris. I think you got the first five all correct. Question six. Which two professional golfers are playing one-on-one -on -one this weekend for a million dollars? We're looking for Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. Mm. It's going to be a very interesting one, that pay-per-view. I listened to it on a podcast this morning. That's why I know. <laughs> <laughs> very anticipated match. Question eight. What is one of the new AFL rule changes for 2019? Not saying that yours was right, but it wasn't what we were exactly looking for. I would have... Uh, accepted you don't have to kick it to yourself on a kick out now you can just run straight off on the mark or the person on the mark now must be 10 meters back from the line not five meters so mm. that's what we're looking for stricter interpretations i mean it's just an interpretation not necessarily a rule change there understand yep. very technical there but and that's why he's the quiz king it's the game yep and question nine how many players on one team in a game of water polo the answer we're looking for is seven six in the field one goalie yeah, so that brings you to a total of 7 out of 10. So it's going to come down to the time again, Mr. Edwards. His time was 38 seconds, point two. So that puts him in second place. So well done, Chris. That's great. Just needed to probably get those questions out a little bit quicker, but that's fantastic. Seven, there were some hard questions in there. There so was some hard questions. Really yeah. hard questions. Hard to keep the, the listeners on edge and on their toes. I have listened the last few weeks and I do think that I've probably got a few of the tougher questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, but yeah, that's the way it goes. Maybe send in that feedback for next week then. That's life. Well, it's, good, it's a good healthy relationship between quiz master and, and quiz bit like the umpire and player yeah, relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I'm well glad you there, didn't Chris. question any of those answers. That's fantastic. I think you'll be well, a good player. Thanks for coming in, Chris. We appreciate it. Um, that's all we've got time for. Thank you to you, Mr. Leeson. Uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Thank you guys for having me. And don't forget, if you've got any feedback for us on the email in terms of attributes for a good umpire, please send them in at winloseordrawpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll finish with a quote from the GOAT, Michael Jordan. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. 
and that is why I succeed. Boom shakalaka! Oh, it's a party up in here now! It's win, lose, or draw!